Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Great. How about yourself? I am good. I am thinking about, well, right now we are recording this on Monday Mm -hmm. to post on Tuesday, November 8th. So, of course, I'm thinking about the election in America. But we're not going to talk about that. Uh, also thinking about the Grammy Award nominations, which are coming out next week. Uh, very exciting. Um, and also the fact that it's blinking November already. Somehow. This is just... I, <sighs> this morning, Calvin said, where did all the Halloween decorations go? And I'm like, yeah, good question. <laughs> where did good they question. go? <laughs> we're going to give Thanksgiving a, a little bit of breathing room to have, have a moment in the sun before we get to the Christmas time. Well, but. some people might be. I heard let it snow on Saturday while eating breakfast, and I did not care for it. Was that your husband playing for for you? No, in the house? I was I was in Palm Springs this weekend, which even less appropriate to play let it snow. And uh, I was like, no, I just like to nobody in particular. No, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm bring on the Christmas music. <laughs> I love it. But the thing that I think is annoying is that it feels like on like December 26th through January 1st, we don't know how to ease ourselves out of the holiday music. It just suddenly cuts off and it's very jarring and you feel like you're going through <laughs> withdrawals. But anyway, that's I a think, topic for another day. I think the entry is more jarring, but continue. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, we've introduced ourselves already, right? We did. Okay, so as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition... You can always count on a lively discussion sometimes about holiday music for no apparent sure. reason, about the latest pop news, fun charts, stats, and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how both Rihanna's Lift Me Up and SZA's Shirt make high debuts on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, how Taylor Swift's Midnight's logs a second big week at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, how the latest expanded reissue of a classic Beatles album returns to the top 10, and how Sia's six-year-old song Unstoppable has proven to be exactly that as it reaches number one on another Billboard chart this week. You know, speaking of Unstoppable, also on the show, we're going to dig into why this song is just now picking up steam more than a half decade after its release. 
Plus, over the weekend, in very sad news, Aaron Carter, the pop star and TV personality and younger brother of Nick Carter, died at age 34. We'll talk about his untimely death and his legacy on the Billboard charts later in the show. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit Billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up, Taylor Swift's Midnights easily tops the Billboard 200 chart for a second week, following its blockbuster debut at number one a week ago. The set earned 342,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending November 3rd. Uh, That was down 78% from its gargantuan debut of 1.578 million units a week ago. Uh, Last week, that debut was, of course, the biggest week for any album since Adele's 25 debuted with 3.482 million back in 2015. Midnight's second week total is actually the third largest week of the year overall. Wow. Uh, Taylor's Midnight's debut was the biggest week of the year. Harry Styles actually has the second biggest week of 2022 with the debut of Harry's House at 521,000. While, of course, Midnight's uh, second week is the third biggest week of the year. I like to say second and third and first and fourth and fifth and (laughs) tenth and Okay. Yeah, so it's a big blinking freaking week for Taylor Swift's Midnight's. So do we think that Taylor's actually going to be able to hold on for a third week at number one now that Drake and 21 Savage dropped their joint album Her Loss last Friday? Keith? I'm going to go out on a really short limb and say she's not no. going to be number one? No. Just um, a strong no. Just I, it's, a, it's, it's a strong no. I don't have a forecast yet, but based on Drake's previous track record, it would be wild if he wasn't number one. It will be interesting to see the Hot 100 next week because um, Ooh, yeah. br- some breaking news, but Taylor just put out a new version of Antihero featuring Bleachers which is interesting. And Keith, it's only available for purchase, not streaming. So, so far. she's, she's looking for it. Yeah. She's, is it only being sold on her web store or that's can you buy correct, it everywhere? Keith. Oh, it is on her web store. The, 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 the classic way that, you know, artists can rush up something out. That, that's why I ended up buying the, uh, break my soul, uh, you know, queen remix. Yeah, over the summer. Me, me too. Um, <laughs> but that went up for sale on iTunes and other stores like yes. 24 hours later or something. Yes. M- and I'm sure we'll that. see if it ends up, um, you know, streaming by the end of the week, too. But, you know, uh, I'm curious, you know, obviously Taylor and Jack ha- worked on this album together. So it's kind of a fun idea to have his band do a new version of the song. So we'll see how what that sounds like. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, next up, staying with the Billboard 200, The Beatles' former number one, Revolver, re-enters the chart at number four, following its deluxe special edition reissue on October 28th. The set earned 54,000 equivalent album units in the week ending November 3rd, and that was up nearly 2,000% compared to the previous week. Revolver was first released in 1966 and spent six weeks atop the Billboard 200. 
For its special edition, the album was reintroduced in a variety of expanded formats and editions, including many with previously unreleased tracks. All versions of the album, old and new, are combined for tracking and charting purposes. And uh, if you're keeping track here, the re-release of Revolver is part of a uh, ongoing series of expanded reissues of select studio albums by the Beatles. It follows reissues of Let It Be in 2021, Abbey Road in 2019, the self-titled Beatles album in 2018, which is often referred to as the White Album, and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band in 2017. All five of these albums originally hit number one shortly after the release, and all of them returned to the top ten after their recent expanded reissues. So we should probably start a pool on what is going to be the next Beatles studio album that gets the super deluxe, fancy, fancy reissue treatment. We'll have a pool on that and what the next Taylor Swift re-record is. Those are the two questions. I keep I keep hoping for the Taylor Swift uh, holiday collection. I keep plugging that as, whenever I can. Uh, she hasn't even said she's going to do that one. That's correct, but that's still owned by Big Machine, so why I wouldn't understand. she do it? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Okay. Um, all right, well, on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart, speaking of her, Taylor Swift's anti-hero holds at number one for a second week. While two women make splashy debuts in the top 15, Rihanna's Lift Me Up bows at number two, while SZA's Shirt starts at number 11. For Rihanna, it's her 32nd top 10, and for SZA, it's her 18th chart entry overall and 7th to reach the top 20. Now, uh, it's assumed that shirt is from SZA's forthcoming studio album, which has not been announced yet. And I don't think they've officially announced that shirt is the first single, but I think we're Correct. all kind of assuming it is. Mm. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Uh, the parent album of Lift Me Up, of course, is the Black Panther Wakanda Forever soundtrack, which dropped last Friday. Funny enough, Katie and I were talking about this album a week ago, but we didn't even know what the track list was. And then lo and behold, like a day later, they announced it. So things move and, fast. And no, there are no other Rihanna songs on the soundtrack. It is. What was your what was your initial reaction when you saw the track list? Because it, it is very... Um, Afrobeats oriented from right. my initial reaction. And it. we kind of mentioned that last week. It, it feels like, I don't know that she's officially filling this role, but it feels like Thames is in sort of the Kendrick role of the original Black Panther soundtrack of EPing it a little bit. Um, you know, she did co-write that Rihanna song and is also, I think, has featured vocals on it. So she's got her hand in like every song almost. Um, so yeah, it's, it's led by Tom's who is Nigerian and makes all the sense in the world. Um, uh, but my first reaction to answer your question was I, I did a find, uh, you know, a control F command F for, uh, the word Rihanna. <laughs> it was like, yeah. damn it. <laughs> I, I, compared to the first Black Panther album, which was, which was a Kendrick Lamar curated project, that album had a lot more. I think very like mainstream recognizable names. Yeah. Star power, I believe. I mean, yeah. the weekend was on it for Pete's sakes. Um, so with this one, it is not as sort of a list heavy. I don't know if it's going to have the sort of initial out of the gate blockbuster success, but I do wonder if this is going to really kind of introduce people that maybe we 
don't know in America in a really big way that could be actually like this could be a really surprising album that actually has legs and turns into something bigger than we think. Yeah, and I think when the first movie came out, there was no guarantee that it was going to be the cultural phenomenon that it ended up being. Right. And I think that that soundtrack actually was a huge uh, part of its success was having all of those hit songs that, you know, created awareness around the movie. Now, we all know Black Panther. This series is as cemented uh, as a fixture. Obviously, the the death of Chadwick Boseman, uh, you know, put some uncertainty around how they would continue it with the title Black Panther um, actor having died. Um, But uh, I think that having it be a more established series kind of made it gave them the freedom to lean into the African music and the African, you know, side of the story, which is so important um, to Black Panther. All right. Well, uh, lastly, Sia's Unstoppable continues to conquer Billboard's charts as it rises two to one on the adult contemporary airplay chart, becoming Sia's second leader on the list, following, no one will guess this, Santa's coming for us in 2017. <laughs> That's correct. No I, one would guess that. <laughs> I I will explain this because people are probably thinking, what? what? It wasn't Chandelier? No. So Here's what happens on the adult contemporary airplay chart during the holiday season. Mm. Most adult contemporary stations basically just turn into wall-to-wall Christmas music. Now, all those old songs you hear on adult contemporary radio, if you listen to adult contemporary radio during the holiday season, or in fact, most any old song you listen to on your local radio station is not eligible to chart anymore. So... Bing Crosby and Perry Como and Frank Sinatra, they're not charting on the adult contemporary chart during the holiday season. So what's left that adult contemporary stations are playing that are eligible to chart are generally newly released Christmas music. So sometimes new, not incredibly huge songs can go to number one on the adult contemporary chart if they're a holiday song around the Christmas time. That makes sense. Um... Moving on, Unstoppable, which was originally released as part of Sia's This Is Acting album in early 2016, Mm -hmm. previously topped the adult pop airplay chart a month ago and has also reached the top 10 on the all format radio songs chart. Yeah, Keith, I feel like, uh, you know, transitioning from the chart chat, we need to just talk more about this song and its kind of crazy trajectory because... Um, I've talked on this uh, podcast before about listening to the like AC station here in LA, 103.5, uh, and they have been playing Unstoppable religiously for months now. And when I first heard it on 103.5, I didn't even bat an eye. I just assumed it was a new Sia anthem. You know, she had new, new music you. out that, yeah, it was new to me. And I just kind of figured the AC station was like the early adopter of it or whatever. <laughs> Oh, I don't even know what I assumed. But then to find out that it's from This Is Acting, a huge album, uh, you know, from 2016, like he said, which also included her most recent number one on the How 100, <laughs> Cheap Thrills. I didn't quite I didn't quite realize that until just now. I'm like, oh, my God, that's this the same is album. The Cheap Thrills album. Um, <laughs> and not to mention when she uh, hit number one with Cheap Thrills featuring Sean Paul, uh, she was 40 years old. 
And I, I think I don't remember what the um, I, I don't remember Gary's article well enough to know. She it was something like she was the first 40 year old to hit number one in like 20 years or something. And I maybe think it might have been since like shares. Believe. Shares believe that's the yeah. first thing that came to my mind. Um, and it might have been a woman, a 40 year old woman. There might have been somebody older as a male. I can't remember. Regardless. But all that, said, what, all that yeah. to say, she's now 46 years old and is having this new success story with, with a, a six year old song, pop song, a six year old song. Um, it's just an absolutely wild story. So I just want to talk about Keith. Like, what are all the factors behind this song's sort of like delayed, you know, ascent? I mean, um, Talk to me. I, I mean, for, for, as I understand it, the song was licensed and synced in a number of different uh, media opportunities, you know, TV commercials and such. Probably, I mean, at this point, a year or more ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that presence lent itself to people adopting the song on TikTok, as many songs have experienced similar. We all knew TikTok was going to be part of this narrative. Well, you know, when you have this song that is like, I'm unstoppable, I'm a Porsche with no brakes, and it has this sort of like uplifting anthemic um, feeling to it, that can really soundtrack a lot of TikToks that people mm -hmm. make. And I think it probably also maybe really hit people in an emotional way as well. Mm -hmm. Beyond just the typical, like, let's do a dance. This actually had some emotional resonance behind it to people. Medical journeys. We're talking about athletic feats. Yeah. We're talking. There's lots of big moments that this can soundtrack. What I think is like super interesting about this is it's sort of interesting uh, release history in that the song was originally released as part of the This Is Acting album in 2016, which we already mentioned, but that album was released on RCA Records, a Sony record label. However, Sia's next album, 2017's Every Day is Christmas, uh, was released on Atlantic Records, which is part of Warner Music. So when this song became a viral hit, it actually ended up becoming an official proper single, and Sony and its catalog division ended up promoting a song by an artist who is no longer apparently one of their own artists. But they knew a good thing when they saw one. Good for them. I'm glad they actually yeah, hopped on it. Um, I, when I was looking at the This Is Acting Wikipedia page and like the singles chronology, um, Unstoppable was listed as being released as a single in 2021. Yeah, it's just it is wild. And then um, on top of that, since you mentioned her you know, label situation, she actually tweeted that she is putting out a new album next year. Um, her tweet was, hi, guys, I just wanted to let you know I've got a pop record coming out next year. I was sick, which we were not aware of that, by the way, but I'm doing much better and I love and appreciate your patience. Clearly, Sia fans are patient. And they, they've been patiently turning her songs into new hits six years later she's obviously seizing on this this current moment and putting out a new album watch unstoppable be the lead single from right. the next album <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> or maybe she's just going to reissue. This is acting. I was going to say, I'm... or the the next hit from uh, the 2023 album will come in 2029. <laughs> this is when yeah. it will get the, big. <laughs> the first single from the next album will be track 10 from This Is Acting. Right. They're just going to go resurface yet another old song. Uh, um, I, I am curious, Keith, um, what this song might still be capable of doing on our charts because um, it's so far peaked at number 28 on the Hot 100 last month, but do we think it could be a top 20 Hot 100 hit? Do we think it could climb to the top 10? What do we think is is possible? Well, if Taylor Swift's Midnight's album didn't exist, Sia would be number 28 this week. Okay. But there's 11 songs that... Yeah, it's the same peak, but it's still there. There's so there's 11 Taylor Swift songs in front of Sia this week. So if Taylor Swift's Midnight's didn't exist, Sia would be at her peak of 28. However, she's still gaining in Hot 100 points every week. She's at the biggest that the song has been this week. So um, it's becoming like a very competitive chart right now you know we're gonna have all the drake and 21 savage tracks oh yeah the taylor tracks christmas and then we're heading christmas christmas is just going to kind of yeah make it real messy on the chart i think christmas so like, is if, the answer to this question of like probably christmas is, is going to the the high point yeah like you know all those folks who are just sort of flirting with a top 10 right now like our friend uh bb rexa and david getta with blue like they haven't made the top 10 yet because taylor swooped in and now drake and 21 savage and then we're going to start getting christmas right around thanksgiving i don't know yeah i don't know we'll see what but happens I, I, I still feel i still i still feel like it has a shot it has a shot what i i can you remind me or do you remember well enough remember with cold heart where it was like almost top 10 but it wasn't it and hit then, top 10 in january right it was christmas. after christmas right so like it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what some of these songs that are like you know flirting with the top 10 i mean even like says a shirt for instance having a number 11 debut who knows where it will end up next week it's like you almost have to like wait till january to have that moment potentially <laughs> We shall see with Sia. We shall see. All right. So moving on to some sad news from the weekend. Um, Aaron Carter, who was a singer, a television personality and the younger brother of Backstreet Boy star Nick Carter, was found dead Saturday at age 34. A representative from his management team confirmed his death to Billboard over the weekend. And then um, police and the sheriff's department both confirmed the news once they'd had a chance to talk to the family. Um, No cause of death has been given so far. Um, but he's very publicly struggled with a lot of addiction issues and, um, you know, various personal issues over the years. So, um, but we don't know what happened here. Um, all we know is that he died tragically young and, uh, you know, most people associate Aaron with his brother, Nick being in the, in the Backstreet Boys. But in 2000, he found his own success as a preteen pop star. This kid was 12 years old when Aaron's party was released. So a true preteen scoring... Two Hot 100 hits, including the top 40 charting, Aaron's Party, Come Get It. Um, He also had three Billboard 200 charting albums, including two top tens, Aaron's Party and Oh Aaron. Now, I vividly remember as a, you know, teenager in the 90s, um, like when, you know, Nick's little brother started just like kicking around. Like, it's like, oh, we're into the Backstreet Boys. We're in NSYNC. Who's this kid? But for like the younger sister generation, the tweens, the preteens, Aaron Carter was like, the guy. Well, here's my question. Yeah. Um, Aaron didn't have a lot of chart success, but he had two really 
successful big selling albums, the two that Katie mentioned, yeah. he didn't have any real hit singles on our charts. So that t- to me, that tells me he wasn't being played on the radio. He wasn't being like sold incredibly well. So I'm wondering, how did people know who Aaron Carter was? Was he on like Disney? I was going to say this is Nick? a Disney Channel story in the sense that like at Radio Disney and Disney Channel would play his music videos like in between um, TV shows. Like that's I feel like that's where I saw him the most was Disney Channel back in the day. Um, he apparently he opened for Backstreet Boys for a little bit too. Even I think mm. before he had the um, the hit album. So like when he was probably early early on in his 12th year because he turned 13 the year that Aaron's party came out so like he was yeah 12-ish 13 opening up for Backstreet Boys it is truly ridiculous it was sort of a a a thing of that time though because I also remember seeing Solange music videos on Disney Channel when in like 2001 and it's like oh she was just Beyonce's kid sister Jamie Lynn Lynn Spears had a full blown Nickelodeon (laughs) show as Britney's little sister like the the siblings became famous along that's how big that's how big of pop stars these people were it was like everyone knew everything about them they knew their whole personal life 100% so that's like so like I said I'm like slightly too old for the Aaron Carter moment but I remember it and I remember like he was their Backstreet Boys like to like a 10 year old to a 9 year old like he was a bigger deal than Nick like Aaron had this moment where he shone really bright um, as as a pop star and um, you know it's really tragic to see I, I know he grew up too fast he's talked a lot about I mean I think touring with his big brother when he was a child probably was not the safest best place for a a kid to be out on the road like that and it obviously um has ended in tragedy but he had so many supporters as shown by like how much um reaction there was to saturday's news um so we'll continue reporting about the the news on billboard.com um yeah but uh just kind of you know condolences to the carter family it's a sad story well now it's time for the chart set of the week Katie, it's about Madonna. I mean, I already knew this because I follow you on social media and I I had a feeling you were going this route, but I I still want to hear about it. (laughs) I thought, though I posted this on social media, it's still a pretty cool anniversary Uh, to note. Yes. So 40 years ago this week, Queen of Pop Madonna made her debut on Billboard's charts with the song Everybody. It was her first single for Sire Records and her first single, period. period. The song, which was written by Madonna and produced by Mark Kamens, debuted on the then-named Dance Disco Top 80 chart, dated November 6th, 1982, at number 40, and it peaked at number 3 in January of 1983. The chart, which ranked the most popular songs played in dance clubs in the U.S., would eventually change names multiple times, and it is currently called Dance Club Songs. Concurrent with everybody's debut on the charts, Billboard's Brian Chin amusingly misidentified Madonna as a duo in his Dance Tracks column in the magazine that week, 
though he did give the song a positive <laughs> review. I wonder if that was because uh, of the credits of the song being Madonna and Mark or something. Maybe, maybe. In 2020, Madonna notched her 50th number one on the Dance Club Songs chart, becoming the first act with 50 number ones on any single Billboard chart. That feat was celebrated on her recent remix compilation album, Finally Enough Love, which arrived earlier this year. But 40 years ago this week, Madonna's Billboard chart career was just getting started as everybody danced on to the charts. Right. That's 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 the end of the show, everybody. <laughs> when I saw that you posted that um, on Instagram, I was like, well, I hope this is for his chart stat. So he didn't have to, like, double research this week. <laughs> Although, did you even I, have to research that one? I feel like you probably could have just done that from memory. Um, I posted on social media before I even thought about doing like what the chart stat would be. And then, so, I mean, I'm like, I, I did feel like, oh, is it lazy of me to just repurpose something I did on social media? Yeah. I'm like, just be, if, you, if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably not following me on social media. So, hey, And you it's probably you. like Madonna just as much as we do, or maybe not as much as Keith, but you like Madonna. Um, <laughs> before we go, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony occurred last weekend. Uh, it will not be broadcast on TV for a few more weeks. Yeah. But... Um, Billboard had folks on the ground inside the venue. We had some uh, like really exhaustive coverage this year. We had Melinda in a one-on-one -on -one room backstage, and we had Lindsay in the audience. So it was uh, it was really great to have all that perspective of the show. Uh, if you haven't checked out Billboard's coverage, go check it out because it uh, it it was really incredibly star-studded. Oh yeah, like ridiculous. Like Steven Tyler, Ed Sheeran, Eminem, John Mellencamp, Bruce Springsteen, Dr. Dre, yep. Dolly Parton, Janet. Judas Priest. Janet shows up for Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Janet, by the way, Ugh. looking exactly like she did on the cover of 1986's Control album, the which hair, was the first the album hair. that Jam and Lewis produced for her. The hair, the, the hair. dress, the makeup. Oh she is God. employing magicians and wizards <laughs> to do whatever they did. She to is make a her magician look, and a wizard. Like, <laughs> I mean, that we know for sure. But um, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. And, and from from all the coverage that I read, it sounded like just the concert itself was incredible. Yeah. Um, and it apparently ended with an all like basically everyone that was on stage that night, for the most part, all came back to sing with Dolly Parton to do Jolene at the end, except for Eminem, apparently. Um, What's Eminem's which problem? Means, like, well, it's Eminem. <laughs> but that means like that means on stage together, like Duran Duran were with Dolly Parton and Annie Lennox and Eurythmics. Hell yeah. Judas Priest, I guess. Yeah, doing Jolene. Yes, yes, I yes. don't know. I bet Rob Halford it, loves Jolene. <laughs> it's a, a pretty incredible looking uh, cast of folks that got inducted this year and also an incredible array of people that were there on hand to uh, usher them in and to celebrate them. Yes. As well. Yeah, I definitely will be watching when it airs on HBO for sure. OK, so uh, uh, in light of all that mm -hmm. and in light of the fact that the Grammy Award nominations are coming out next week, next week. Um, and the fact that Christmas music has already started in Katie's house, <laughs> uh, what song should we go out on? Oh, my Katie? God. We just went through way too many things. How about a song from uh, Control, Keith? <gasps> oh, well, this is a story about Control. We should do the title track. Perfect. OK, see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.